If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, looking at verses 6 to 10. If you have a pew Bible, it's page 941. we will make it easy for you. You can just go to page 941 and find it quick. All right, we'll give you a second to get there. Better? Okay. It's not me. All right. 2 Corinthians 12, 6 to 10, it says, Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I, would not, I, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, as we look at your word, as we dive into your scripture, I pray that you'll bring these words to life in our lives. pray that you'll prepare our hearts to allow these verses in to really bring them into and change us, Lord, and, and acknowledge what we need in our lives. In your heavenly name, amen. A few things that stand out to me in the text there are power, right? It's, it's a word that jumps out and the opposite of that would be weakness. And for me, those are two words that I wrestle with uh, periodically here and there. Um, those that know me know that I uh, can be focused on that. Um, it's a story that uh, when I was in Maine one time, I was a smart person and decided that we're going on this hike up this mountain that's about a mile high. Um, it's called Katahdin. If you've ever been there, there's a couple different ways of going up. One is called a Cathedral. And I was the smart one that was, you know, training for an event in the process of this. And I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my training better. You know, besides hiking six hours up, six hours down, I'm going to do one better and be stronger than the group I'm with and be better than the group I'm with, and I decided to carry a 30-pound steel plate in my backpack. There's a couple of people in the room, Jared and Josh Myers and Ben Parker, that had to help me eventually at the top, and I still refuse to admit that I couldn't make it because I'm prideful and want to be stronger than everybody else and personal issues that I'm dealing with. But... On top of that, I had my water, my food, some extra clothes. The weather can shift up there. So all in all, I'm carrying 50 pounds of weight, 30 pounds extra by my choice, up a climb like this where you're doing hand over foot, thinking this was a great idea and a perfect time to train for this Go Ruck event. So now they always make fun of me whenever anything heavy has to be lift, lifted up. They always yell at me to Go Ruck. And... So, but I focused on being stronger in that. My focus was to try to be stronger than everybody else, to try to do something that no smart person would try or attempt to achieve, and to be the strongest one in the group, right? There's also, if you've ever been to a gym, right, there's some words that we hear, right? If you're either a gym rat or you work out or, you know, everyone tells you, right, never skip leg day, Right? It's one of the things you always hear, right? When, especially when you start to have to lift up something and you start to get a little weak. Everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't have skipped leg day, 
right? Or, or you see my gains, right? Two words that we hear, two phrases we hear passed around, and all of these are focused on our strength, right? About building ourselves up um, because we want to personally get stronger, bigger, faster. You know, gyms are now open 24-7. You can go anytime, any uh, part of the day. You can go to several if you got the special card, you can hit one over here, and if you're in a different location, you can go to that one instead. Now, I don't hate gyms, right? Don't get me wrong. I love and would love to work out, and you can ask my wife. I keep telling her that tomorrow I'll start, and tomorrow never comes, so I'm thankful for that. Um, but at the same time, right, we, we focus on strength. If I had the time, the energy, the ability, I would be probably in the gym for hours upon hours focusing on getting myself better and stronger and focusing on not my weaknesses, but my strengths. Focusing on how I can be the strongest person, how I can be stronger than everyone around. Some pride issues that I deal with and that I work through when trying to be stronger. You can ask any of the kids that went through our youth group high school that have tried to wrestle me. I have pride so that I don't wrestle them because I don't want to lose if I've already beaten them once, all right? It's not a healthy thing, right? Because I want to be stronger than them, right? At some point, that's going to come back, and they're going to be bigger and stronger than I am, and then I just won't admit it. But in this passage, we see Paul's kind of coming at this a different angle, right? He's coming at it from telling us the complete opposite of what we were just talking about, right? He talks about weakness in here, and that's something that we all struggle with because we all have weaknesses, they're just tougher to admit that we have them. And Paul's a person that if we look at who Paul is, he could sit there and boast all day about who he was. Right? He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had the pedigree of that known world. He had the right teachers, went to the right school, served under the right person, was taught by the right person. Right? He was in the right family, born as a Roman. Right? He had all of that that would add up, that would give him the ability to boast. We find that in Philippians 3, 4 through 6. It gives us that insight. But he's the guy who also had the experience on the Damascus Road. Right? So not only does he have the pedigree, but he has the experience of God shining light to him and changing him completely from persecuting Christians, doing a complete 180, to now being the top missionary, the church planner of the time, traveling all over, establishing these churches, writing majority of the New Testament books and letters, Right? This is a guy that we look at and would say, you know what, this guy's got all these strengths. But yet in here, he's claiming that he has these weaknesses as well. He's got this, sword, this thorn in the side that God has put there, that he has prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take away. But God leaves it. And there's a reason why God leaves it, and he shares that with us. Right? As I was preparing this and looking at this, I really felt that God gave me a word and the verse here of the word grace. And the verses that he gave me was verses 9 through 10 where it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Right, Paul is sharing what God is teaching him here. And it says, grace is defined as free and unmerited favor by God, similar as manifested in the salvation of sinners. We see it more so there. 
Grace is God's blessing despite who we are, despite, despite what we've done. It doesn't base on whether we're the strongest, the fastest, the smartest, right? It, it's based on God, not us. It's not based on us earning it or on our merit or on anything that we can do because we don't deserve any of it. It's God's gift to us. In these verses, we're told that God's grace is sufficient, right? It's enough for our lives. It's all we need. Being sufficient means that it's enough to meet the needs of a situation or proposed end. Sounds great to some of us. We're like, yes, that's what I need. Others are like, what can I add to this? Right? What can I build in here? How can I make this work quicker? How can I get more grace? How does this work? How can I get more or do better? How can I help out God in this? At least that's my thinking. How can I make his grace come more to me? Right, I want it. It's, it's sufficient enough for me as his grace, but what can I do to make it better? What can I add to it so that it's more appealing? Or so that in those certain situations, I feel better about it. We try to add, we try to help, we try to speed up the process. There's so many different situations and life circumstances that are filled in this room that you and we are going through. So many different hardships and difficulties that are being walked through. Sicknesses, losses, trials, some dysfunction going on. And each of us in these situations have to remember that God's grace is enough. It's sufficient for each of us. It's sufficient to sustain us. I don't have to add to it. It's sufficient to carry us and to minister to us in each of these circumstances that we're faced with. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, I'm not faced with one right now, but maybe tomorrow, maybe in 10 minutes. Maybe next week, we all go through these times of trials, these times of difficulties that appear in our lives. And in those, God's grace is going to be enough. God's grace is meeting us exactly where God has each of us in this moment. The beauty of grace is it doesn't wait till I get better. It doesn't wait till I change. It's not situational where if this gets better, the grace slacks off. Or if this gets worse, I get more grace. Right? God's grace is meeting us exactly where God has us at in this very moment. We don't need to try any harder to make it different or to make it better in order for the grace to come here. It doesn't change anything. He continues to pour out his grace in the exact moments because he knows exactly what we need and when we need it and how we need it, and how much we need. Right? God knows us and knows the situations that we walk through daily so that he can generously give this amazing gift of grace to us. This is unmerited love and kindness that God blesses us with, that God gives to us. But at times, we miss out on this blessing and we miss out on this grace because we get distracted or we're not focused, or we forget 
about God and we try to control our situations and we try to make an impact and we try to make a difference on our own and we forget to bring God into the situation even though he's just waiting right there on the side to come in. And we forget about that. We fail to acknowledge that God's grace is there and is enough and is sufficient for us in our daily lives. We get caught up in the busyness of the world and we think that that matters more that we lose sight of this amazing grace. We need to slow life down. We need to focus on the Lord to give us the glory. We need to focus on the Lord so that he gets the glory in this for what he's doing. We need that reminder in the morning so that when I get up, I can say, you know what, God, your grace is sufficient for today. No matter what I go through, your grace will be sufficient. And I need to give you the glory for that and honor you for that and lift your name up for that because it has nothing to do with what I did, nothing to do with how I woke up. Whether I'm grumpy, happy, sad, mad, your grace is there. And it's enough. Second part of this is it says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? Who loves being weak, right? So, no. Right? None of us. It's a word that we hate throwing around. It's a word that when we are faced with it, right, do you want to focus on weaknesses or strengths? Right? I want to focus on strengths. I don't want people to know my weaknesses, my inadequacies, my failures. I don't want people to know these things because I want to be strong. I want people to see me as somebody that's strong, that's somebody that can do it, that can get the job done, that achieves things, right, that perseveres, that gets through it. But we don't want to go and say, you know what, I'm weak. My weakness, is, weakness isn't exactly celebrated in the U.S. or around the world, right? We hear terms and we hear things, Darwin's survival of the fittest. Right? Only the strongest and fittest will survive. It doesn't scream weakness, it screams strength. You want to be the best, you need to push yourself. You want to survive, you got to be the strongest, the smartest, the fastest, the fittest. Right? This is what our world is teaching us and showing us. It doesn't elevate our weaknesses, it just buries them. Because we don't want people to know that we're not strong. We don't want people to know that I have a weakness. In Hunger, in Hunger Games movies, right, there's a rep, we see the rep, representation of this poured out, right? There's 13 districts. One district is the capital, right? There's 12 other districts um, that are kind of just ruled by this one. The one, District 13, is kind of where all of the rich and smart and wealthy and powerful people are. And the district rules all of them. Right? And there was a rebellion in the movie previously to the movies that you're, not, you're told about, you're not seeing. But there was a rebellion from these other 12 districts that tried to rise up against the powerful district. And District 13 squashed all of them. And in light of this, right, they have to offer, each district has to offer two tributes each year to go and fight and battle in an arena so that the strongest survives. The smartest, the fastest survives. Right, it's played out and in our area, in the world, it's shown that this is, right, this is entertainment. Right, this is what we watch. This is what we see. Prior to the games, the tributes come in and the capital has a chance to rate them. Right? They show their strengths. They show their abilities. Right? They get rated based on what they can do, on who they are, on how much likely it is that they'll survive. The strongest get the higher ratings where the less, 
the weakers get the lower ratings because they're not expected to do much. I think it's the same in our world at times where we don't look at our weaknesses, we focus so much on our strengths that we don't see that being weak is okay. We want people to know our strengths because it defines us. I just did this awesome thing with their staff. It's called Strength Finders and found out basically what I already knew that I am an achiever and that Jared, who I work with, is the complete opposite. <laughs> so we, I want to work hard and Jared not necessarily doesn't want to work hard, but just doesn't like how hard I want to work all the time, right? It's, it's great and it's nothing against Jared. Jared is an amazing person and has all these awesome gifts in other areas that I lack. He's over there laughing. I'm trying to help him. Um, but we don't want people to know our weaknesses, right? Because we feel inadequate with them. If we could choose our weaknesses, we, would, we wouldn't choose any, right? We'd want to be the complete package, have it all together, be lacking nothing. But yet Paul says here that it's the very state that God wants to use us in. It's the very state that God meets us in is when we are at our weakest, his power is made perfect. God's power is greatest when we're weakest, when we're broken, when we're beat up, when we're down. That's where God wants to use us. We think that God wants to use us at our peak when we're up there, right? God wants to meet us here because at that moment, we're humbled enough where our pride doesn't get in the way of what God's doing. Where his grace can just freely flow into our lives. And we're not prideful to take some of that as our own glory. It's not a bad thing to be driven or to use your strengths for the Lord. But if we don't recognize our weaknesses and take time to allow God to work in them or to show his power in them, then all of our hard work and strength is for our own glory. It's to glorify ourselves and to elevate ourselves into the position higher than God and sit on his throne instead of humbling ourselves, acknowledging that we're weak and letting him come in. My desire, our desire should be that we give all the glory to God that is due to make his name known and slide ours into the back seat. And it starts when we all admit that it's okay to be weak. It's okay to have and to be lacking and to have weakness and to have inadequacies. It is acceptable. It's desirable to have those in our lives so that God can continue to pour in grace. So that God can continue to be sufficient for us. It's not just on Sundays or during certain times, but it's in all circumstances this needs to be our focus. Every morning when we get up, I need to put my pride aside, admit to God that I am weak, I can't do it, that I need you. So that my pride doesn't try to steal glory from God. So that my pride doesn't get in the way third point it says, he talks the best, says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul wants us to remember to delight and to boast in our weaknesses because this is when we will be our strongest in the Lord. 
This is when we become so dependent on what God and who God is in our lives is when we are down and we have nowhere else to go. And God wants us to delight in those moments and those circumstances because we reach out to him and we don't try it on our own. We don't go our own way. But we need to lighten those things in the weaknesses, in the insults, in the sicknesses, in the loss of a job, maybe in the loss of people, the loss of family and friends. When we can be open and real about our weaknesses and our struggles, God's grace will be enough in those times. When we can admit that I can't do it on my own, admit that I need him, God's grace will be enough. This grace that covers all sin, comforts those in need, and allows us to be fully dependent on God will be enough. We can't escape these things, these hardships in our lives, and we face new ones every day. They keep coming and coming and coming. But we can be able to rest in the knowledge that God's providing all we need in himself that we don't have to go anywhere else or turn to anything else, but that God is the end. God is it. God is all we need. That God's grace is sufficient. Gideon's army was whittled down to just 300 men. There wasn't this huge, massive force, and if we look at and we think back through history, that's not a fighting force that we would be impressed with by any means. Wouldn't it be something that we would say, yeah, that's one of the strongest in history? And to the attacking army, this would have looked like an easy target, but because Gideon didn't pride himself on trying to get more and allowed God to work, we see how God's grace, how God's strength was made perfect in just these 300 men. How God's plan played out and not ours or Gideon's. Gideon's pride was put aside, and he allowed God to be using him in his weakness for his glory, for God's glory. So are you willing to step out today to admit that you're weak? Are you willing to step up and start each morning with going to God and saying, Lord, I can't do this today. I am weak right now, and tomorrow's not looking any better. I need you and your grace in my life. And allow God and his grace to be the focus for us. We're going to come to the table and have the guys join me in a minute up here. But as we come to the table, it's remembering that God's grace is sufficient. Remembering that what Jesus came to earth to do, to die on the cross for our sins to give us that abundance of grace poured out from him to us. It's a symbol of our relationship with Christ and this gift of salvation that we've received. As we come to this, if, if you don't have that relationship with the Lord, please just allow the plate to pass by. But as we take this time to focus, it's a time of focusing on our hearts and allowing God to search us and to seek us. It's a time of remembering what he did and allowing ourselves to give over our sins to him. Things that stand in our way of a deeper relationship with him. If you need to leave during this time to go make things right with somebody, please take that time to do so.
Because we want to make sure that as we approach and go to the table, that our hearts are aligned with His. That our hearts are focused on His.